0: Note B of Apologia Pro Vita Sua by John Henry Cardinal Newman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bill McGillivray. Note B, Ecclesiastical Miracles. The writer who gave occasion for the foregoing narrative was very severe with me for what I had said about miracles in the preface to the life of St. Walburga i observe therefore as follows catholics believe that miracles happen in any age of the church though not for the same purpose in the same number or with the same evidence as in apostolic times the apostles wrought them in evidence of their divine mission and with this objective they have been sometimes wrought by evangelists of countries since as even protestants allow hence we hear of them in the history of st gregory in pontus and st martin in gaul and in their case as in that of the apostles they were both numerous and clear as they are granted to evangelists so are they granted though in less measure in evidence to other holy men and as holy men are not found equally at all times and in all places therefore miracles are in some places and times more than in others and since generally they are granted to faith and prayer therefore in a country in which faith and prayer abound they will be more likely to occur than where and when faith and prayer are not so that their occurrence is irregular and further as faith and prayer obtain miracles so still more commonly do they gain from above the ordinary interventions of providence and as it is often very difficult to distinguish between a providence and a miracle and there will be more providence than miracles hence it will happen that many occurrences will be called miraculous which strictly speaking are not such that is not more than provincial mercies or what are sometimes called graces or favours persons who believe all this in accordance with catholic teaching as i did and do they on the report of miracles will of necessity the necessity of good logic be led to say first it may be and secondly but i must have good evidence in order to believe it one it may be because miracles take place in all ages it must be clearly proved because perhaps after all it may be only a providential mercy or an exaggeration or a mistake or an impostor. Well, this is precisely what I had said, which the writer who has given occasion to this volume considered so irrational. I had said, as he quoted me, in this day and under our present circumstances, we can only reply that there is no reason why they should not be. Surely this is good logic, provided, that miracles do occur in all ages, and so again I am logical in saying there is nothing prima facie in the miraculous accounts in question to repel a properly taught or religiously disposed mind. What is the matter with this statement? My assailant does not pretend to say what the matter is, and he cannot, but he expresses a rude, unmeaning astonishment. Accordingly, in the passage which he quotes i observe miracles are the kind of facts proper to ecclesiastical history just as instances of sagacity or daring personal prowess or crime are the facts proper to secular history what is the harm of this two but though a miracle be conceivable it has to be proved what has to be proved one that the event occurred as stated, and is not a false report or an exaggeration, two, that it is clearly miraculous, and not a mere providence or answer to prayer within the order of nature. What is the fault of saying this? The inquiry is parallel to that which is made about some extraordinary fact in secular history. Supposing I hear that King Charles the Second died a Catholic, I am led to say, it may be, but what is your proof? in my essay on miracles of the year eighteen twenty six i proposed three questions about a professed miraculous occurrence one is it antecedently probable two is it in its nature certainly miraculous three has it sufficient evidence to these three heads i had regard in my essay of eighteen forty two and under them i still wish to conduct the inquiry into the miracles of ecclesiastical history so much for general principles as to st Walburga, though i have no intention at all of denying that numerous miracles have been wrought by her intercession still neither the author of her life nor i the editor felt that we had grounds for binding ourselves to the belief of certain alleged miracles in particular i made however one exception it was the medicinal oil which flows from her relics Now, as to the verisimilitude, the miraculousness, and the fact of this medicinal oil. 1. The Verisimilitude It is plain there is nothing extravagant in this report of her relics having a supernatural virtue, and, for this reason, because there are such instances in Scripture, and Scripture cannot be extravagant. For instance, a man was restored to life by touching the relics of the prophet Elisus, the sacred text runs thus and elisha died and they buried him and the bands of the moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year and it came to pass as they were burying a man that behold they spied a band of men and they cast the man into the sepulchre of elisha and when the man was let down and touched the bones of elisha he revived and stood upon his feet again in the case of an inanimate substance which had touched a living saint and god wrought special miracles by the hands of paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the disease departed from them and again in the case of a pool an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water whosoever then first after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. 2 Kings 4 Kings close parenthesis. Roman numeral 13, section 20, 21 Acts, Roman numeral 19, section 11, and section 12 John, verse 4 Therefore there is nothing extravagant in the character of a miracle. 2. Next, the matter of fact. Is there an oil flowing from St. Walburga's tomb, which is medicinal? To this question I confine myself in my preface. Of the accounts of medieval miracles, I said that there was no extravagance in their general character, but I could not affirm that there was always evidence for them. I could not simply accept them as facts, but I could not reject them in their nature. They might be true, for they were not impossible but they were not proved to be true because there was not trustworthy testimony however as to st walberger i repeat i made one exception the fact of the medicinal oil since for that miracle there was distinct and successive testimony and then i went on to give a chain of witnesses it was my duty to state what those witnesses said in their very words so i gave the testimonies in full tracing them from the saint's death I said, she is one of the principal saints of her age and country. Then I quoted Bessnage, a Protestant, who says, Six writers are extant, who have employed themselves in relating the deeds or miracles of Walberger. Then I said that her, Renown was not the mere natural growth of ages, but begins with the very century of the saint's death then i observed that only two miracles seem to have been distinctly reported of her as occurring in her lifetime and they were handed down apparently by tradition also that such miracles are said to have commenced about a d 777 then i spoke of the medicinal oil as having testimony to it in 893 in 1306 after 1450 in 1615 and in 1620 also, I said that Mabillon seems not to have believed some of her miracles, and that the earliest witness had got into trouble with his bishop. And so I left the matter, as a question to be decided by evidence, not deciding anything myself. What was the harm of all this? But my critic muddled it together in most extraordinary manner, and I am far from sure that he knew himself the definite categorical charge which he intended it to convey against me one of his remarks is what has become of the holy oil for the last two hundred and forty years dr newman does not say page twenty five of course i did not because i did not know i gave the evidence as i found it he assumes that i had a point to prove and then asked why i did not make the evidence larger than it was i can tell him more about it now the oil still flows i have had some of it in my possession it is medicinal still this leads to the third head three its miraculousness on this point since i have been in the catholic church i have found there is a difference of opinion some persons consider that the oil is the natural produce of the rock and has ever flowed from it others that by a divine gift it flows from the relics and others allowing that it now comes naturally from the rock are disposed to hold that it was in its origins miraculous, as was the virtue of the pool of Bethsaida. This point must be settled, of course, before the virtue of the oil can be ascribed to the sanctity of Saint Walburga. For myself, I neither have, nor ever have had, the means of going into the question, but I will take the opportunity of its having come before me to make one or two remarks supplemental of what i have said on other occasions one i frankly confess that the present advance of science tends to make it probable that various facts take place and have taken place in the order of nature which hitherto have been considered by catholics as simply supernatural two though i readily make this admission it must not be supposed in consequence that i am disposed to grant at once that every event was natural in point of fact which might have taken place by the laws of nature for it is obvious no catholic can bind the almighty to act only in one and the same way or to the observance always of his own laws an event which is possible in the way of nature is certainly possible too to divine power without the sequence of natural cause and effect at all a conflagration to take a parallel may be the work of an incendiary or the result of a flash of lightning nor would a jury think it safe to find a man guilty of arson if a dangerous thunderstorm was raging at the very time when the fire broke out in like manner upon the hypothesis that a miraculous dispensation is in operation a recovery from diseases to which medical science is equal may nevertheless in matter of fact have taken place not by natural means but by supernatural interposition that the lawgiver always acts through his own laws is an assumption of which i never saw proof in a given case then the possibility of assigning a human cause for an event does not ipso facto prove that it is not miraculous three so far however is plain that till some experimentum crucis can be found such as to be decisive against the natural cause or the supernatural an occurrence of this kind will as little convince an unbeliever that there has been a divine interference in the case as it will drive the catholic to admit that there has been no interference at all for still there is this gain accruing to the catholic cause from the larger view we now possess of the operation of natural causes namely that our opponents will not in future be so ready as hitherto to impute fraud and falsehood to our priests and their witnesses on the ground that they are pretending or reporting things that are incredible our opponents have again and again accused us of false witness on account of statements which they now allow as either true or may have been true they account indeed for the strange facts very differently from us but still they allow that facts they were it is a great thing to have our characters cleared and we have reasonable hope that the next time our word is vouched for occurrences which appear to be miraculous our facts will be investigated not our testimony impugned five even granting that certain occurrences which we have hitherto accounted miraculous have not absolutely a claim to be so considered nevertheless they constitute an argument still in behalf of revelation and the church providence or what are called grazi, though they do not rise to the order of miracles yet if they occur again and again in connection with the same persons institutions or doctrines may supply a cumulative evidence of the fact of a supernatural presence in the quarter in which they are found i have already alluded to this point in my essay on ecclesiastical miracles and i have a particular reason as will presently be seen for referring here to what i said in the course of it in that essay after bringing its main argument to an end i append to it a review of the evidence for particular alleged miracles it does not strictly fall within the scope of the essay i observe to pronounce upon the truth or falsehood of this or that miraculous narrative as it occurs in ecclesiastical history but only to furnish such general considerations as may be useful in forming a decision in particular cases page c v however i thought it right to go farther and to set down the evidence for and against certain miracles as we meet with them ibid in discussing these miracles separately i make the following remarks to which i have just been referring after discussing the alleged miracle of the thundering legion i observe nor does it concern us much to answer the objection that there is nothing strictly miraculous in such an occurrence because sudden thunder-clouds after drought are not unfrequent for i would answer grant me such miracles ordinarily in the early church and i will ask no other grant that upon prayer benefits are vouchsafed deliverance are effected unhoped-for results obtained sickness cured tempests laid pestilence put to flight families remediated judgments inflicted and there will be no need of analyzing their causes whether supernatural or natural to which they are to be referred they may or they may not in this case or that case follow or surpass the laws of nature and they may do so plainly or doubtfully but the common sense of mankind will call them miraculous for by a miracle is popularly meant whatever be its formal definition an event which impresses upon the mind the immediate presence of the moral governor of the world he may sometimes act through nature sometimes beyond or against it but those who admit the fact of such interference will have little difficulties in admitting also their strictly miraculous character if the circumstances of the case require it and those who deny miracles to the early church will be equally strenuous against allowing her the grace of such intimate influence, if we may so speak, upon the course of divine providence as is here in question, even though it be not miraculous. Page CXXI. And again, speaking of the death of Arius, but after all, was it a miracle? For if not, we are labouring at a proof of which nothing comes the most immediate answer to this question has already been suggested several times when a bishop with his flock prays night and day against a heretic and at length begs of god to take him away and when he is suddenly taken away almost at the moment of his triumph and that by a death awfully significant from its likeness to one recorded in scripture is it not trifling to ask whether such an occurrence comes up to the definition of a miracle The question is not whether it is formally a miracle but whether it is an event the like of which persons who deny that miracles continue will consent that the church should be considered still able to perform if they are willing to allow the church such extraordinary protection it is for them to draw the line to the satisfaction of people in general between these strictly miraculous events if on the one hand they deny their occurrence in the times of the church then there is sufficient reason for our appealing here to the history of Arius in proof of the affirmative pages clxxii these remarks thus made upon the thundering legion and the death of arius must be applied in consequence of investigation made since the date of my essay to the apparent miracle wrought in favor of the african confessors in the vandal persecution their tongues were cut out by the arian tyrant and yet they spoke as before in my essay i insisted on this fact as being strictly miraculous among other remarks referring to the instances adduced by middleton and others in disparagement of the miracles namely of a girl born without a tongue who yet talked as distinctly and easily as if she had enjoyed the full benefit of that organ and of a boy who lost his tongue at the age of eight or nine yet retained his speech whether perfectly or not i said does middleton mean to say that if certain of men lost their tongues at the command of a tyrant for the sake of their religion and then spoke as plainly as before nay if only one person was so mutilated and so gifted it would not be a miracle page c c x and i enlarged upon the minute detail of the fact as reported to us by eyewitness and contemporaries out of the seven writers adduced six are contemporaries three if not four are eye-witnesses of the miracle one reports from an eye-witness and one testifies to a fervent record at the burial-place of the subject of it all seven were living or had been staying at one or other of the two places which are mentioned as their abode one is a pope a second a catholic bishop a third a bishop of a schismatical party a fourth an emperor a fifth a soldier a politician and a suspected infidel a sixth a statesman and courier a seventh a rhetorician and philosopher he cut out the tongue by the roots says victor bishop of Vito. i perceive the tongue entirely gone by the roots says aeneas as low down as the throat says procopius at the roots say justinian and st gregory he spoke like an educated man without impediment says victor of Vito. with articulateness says aeneas better than before they talked without any impediment says procopius speaking with perfect voice says marcellinus they spoke perfectly even to the end says the second victor the words were formed full and perfect says st gregory pages c c v i i i however a few years ago an article appeared in notes and queries number for may twenty second eighteen fifty eight in which various evidence was adduced to show that the tongue is not necessary for articulate speech one colonel churchill in his lebanon speaking of the cruelness of Jezar paka in extracting to the root of the tongue of some emirs adds it is a curious fact however that the tongue grows again sufficiently for the purpose of speech two sir john malcolm in his sketches of persia speaks of zab khan of Christ, who was condemned to lose his tongue this mandate he says was imperfectly executed and the loss of half of this member deprived him of speech being afterwards persuaded that its being cut close to the root would enable him to speak so as to be understood he submitted to the operation and the effect has been that his voice though indistinct and thick is yet intelligible to persons accustomed to converse with him i am not an anatomist and i cannot therefore give a reason why a man who could not articulate with half a tongue should speak when he has none at all but the facts are as stated three and sir john mcneil says in answer to your inquiries about the powers of speech retained by persons who have had their tongues cut out i can state from personal observation that several persons whom i knew in persia who had been subjected to that punishment spoke so intelligibly as to be able to transact important business the conviction in persia is universal that the power of speech is destroyed by merely cutting off the tip of the tongue and is to a useful extent restored by cutting off another portion as far back as a perpendicular section can be made of the portion that is free from attachment at the lower surface i never had to meet with a person who had suffered this punishment who could not speak so as to be quite intelligible to his familiar associates i should not be honest if i professed to be simply converted by these testimonies to the belief that there was nothing miraculous in the case of the african confessors it is quite as fair to be sceptical on one side of the question as on the other and if gibbon is considered worthy of praise for his stubborn incredulity in receiving the evidence for this miracle i do not see why i am to be blamed if i wish to be quite sure of the full appositeness of the recent evidence which is brought to its disadvantage questions of fact cannot be disproved by analogies or presumptions the inquiry must be made into the particular case in all parts as it comes before us Meanwhile, I fully allow that the points of evidence brought into disparagement of the miracle are prima facie of such cogency that, till they are proved to be irrelevant, Catholics are prevented from appealing to it for controversial purposes. End of note b to Apologia Provita sua by john Henry Cardinal Newman.